0: Gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, the CEO of Titan Digital, and today I've got with me Toby, Dan, L. Chuck. I get it right. Yes, you did. Yes, sir. Very okay. good. Yeah. Okay. He's with 39 Celsius, an agency out in Temecula, California. Um, and we're going to be talking about content production and how you go about scaling it and such, you know, because, you know, content for a long time, for the last decade plus has been a big thing when it comes to SEO, driving traffic, you know, online, your websites and everything, you know, so... But scaling it, you know, can be an issue because even with the advent of things like ChatGPT and AI and stuff, it's gotten harder. Uh, but hey, it's great to have you on the show, Toby. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your agency, and stuff. You know, give us some background.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. First of all, I'm excited to be on the on the podcast. Um, so yeah, my agency I started in 2008. Uh, the name is a little esoteric because. Uh, my career started in biochemistry. Um, I was a biochemistry major as an undergrad. I worked for a biotech company and uh, manufactured uh, DNA modifying enzymes. Um, and one of those processes had to do with creating viral proteins that people used in research. And they, the bacteria were used to produce those proteins but they would not produce them until we hit 39 degrees Celsius. Hmm. So the thus the name. Um, and I I got into my agency because I had a retail brick and mortar store prior to that, and um, in 2008. We had to shut that company down uh, because of the recession. And ironically, what's most interesting is at the time, I was really focused in the early 2000s on SEO with this company we were selling furniture and home decor, and I was really focused on SEO. Um, And I started ranking the site. I was this small little store in Poway, California, suburb of San Diego. And I started ranking in Google, Yahoo, and Bing for dozens of terms uh, throughout the country. And so I went from being this tiny little local retail store to now having national distribution uh, Hmm. in over a year or something. So it was pretty crazy. I learned a ton from that in the early 2000s about SEO, selling online whatnot, and parlayed that into the agency.
0: Yeah, it's uh, interesting because... For, you know, those that um, really don't know with when it comes to like digital marketing, um, you have people that have been in the field, you know, less time and then they have some of us that have now become sort of old hands (laughs) because, you know, the, uh, you know, digital marketing really didn't come along as much of a thing until, you know, 2000, you know, 2003, you know, and stuff. I started in 07 and we all have like these weird histories because we just, we ended up learning from, you know, those first pioneers in the industry and everything we learned was online and was trial and error. You did it with, you know, a home store and stuff and furnishings and whatnot. I started an information website, you know, that I was writing content because I'd been a business owner and, you know, but I was in the military and I was doing it as a side thing. And yeah. I, you know, but one day I said, how do I get traffic? You know, you're trying to rank, you know, and, and, and yeah. we pick up things and eventually we say, Hey, we might be able to, you know, make a career of this, you know, and we find it fascinating because, you know, we have this like innate need to learn more and how do we influence things because that's what we're doing. You know, SEO is about influencing Google, Um, and so, so the people that have been in a lot longer, I find have the most diverse backgrounds that you could possibly imagine. (laughs) We all end up in this field.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, It's funny to look back on that progression for you and and for myself but you know it's uh you you take all those lessons and that that's what gives
0: you the wisdom and the insights as a consultant Mm -hmm. yeah we learn by doing you know nowadays you could take a yeah you can go get a bachelor's or whatever probably a master's degree from i know around here vanderbilt university i'm in tennessee you know they offer a whole program i'm like That wasn't even imagined, you know, fifteen years, (laughs) sixteen years ago, that you would have such a program. Now they're making big bucks in the schools. I don't think they teach it right, but that's my, you know, personal opinion. (laughs) Yeah, no. You know, one other funny comment about that is, you know,
1: back when I had the furniture store, um, this was before Constant Contact or Mailchimp Mm -hmm. or any of these companies, right? But. I made certain when I opened in the early 2000s, I would collect every single email email address I got from a customer that came in. So I had this database, 1,500, 2,000 people, and I used to send emails to them, but there was no uh, email service provider. So yeah. my email server was at home with this jerry rig software, <laughs> um, and, and I was sending from my home server, and because it was a home internet, I think it was Cox Cable or somebody, yeah. they would throttle my emails. So I couldn't send more than, um, you know, five, five in a minute or five, yeah. every five minutes or something. And I would just set it to run all night and send five every five minutes and it would just mm. go all night long. But yeah, yeah
0: it's pretty funny. Yeah. MailChimp itself, you know, which we think has been, has been around forever. I think it was actually came along in 2007 and I heard an interesting podcast on that. And the guy that founded MailChimp and he recently, you know, a couple of years ago, sold uh, into it that does QuickBooks and everything. But uh, the guy that founded MailChimp, that wasn't, that was a side product that just, you know, they created for their own purposes, (laughs) kind of similar to that, where they were, you know, They needed an email marketing system of their own. That's why it was created. And it's proved to be better than the product that they were actually trying to sell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he just cashed out for a billion bucks. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And the whole operation was he never took any private equity money. He had no investors, nothing. (sighs) Good Um, for him. Yeah. I think he might have had a partner in the business. But um, yeah, they were able to just all of it was organic growth with no infusions of cash at all. It was so he didn't yeah. sell. He didn't sell his soul, and he maintained the equity. Yep, and it kept growing because it's just it's a good platform. You know, he built a good product. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. so okay, so let's actually get into the you know <laughs> let's see, content production, uh, foundational steps and such. You know, let, let's talk. You know, content itself you know, everybody understands the value. if we put out a lot of content and stuff, you know, the is attract traffic, build up expertise and such, you know, stickiness on the site, you know, they say, you know, you have different uses for it. That's why blogs exist and such. And this is why like service companies will take advantage of, you know, having more, you know, a robust, you know, blog yeah. section and whatnot. Um, you know, yeah. a, a large number of businesses can take advantage of it. But how do you scale it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the content you're creating has a purpose. You know, yes, it helps if it's you know helping people stay on the site, but generally, it's being used depending on the type of business. You know, to attract traffic, you got to show up in the actual you know search results for it to be truly beneficial. But yes, sir. Yeah. But most people, it's like you know, oh, I can get a blog done a month or two or whatever. You know, so to truly bring it on scale, where do you begin? Yeah, that's a great question. Um,
1: You really have to have some good processes to scale that Um, and you just need to reiterate on those processes. So standard, you know, depending on the size of your company, you might have standard operating procedures that other people on your team can follow to develop that content. Um, But to really scale content production, um, one of the things that becomes apparent is your team becomes stressed um, because... Obviously, if you're going to scale, you got to get more production out of them. So AI tools can be hugely beneficial. Now, the key with AI and scaling with AI is you don't want to just pump up, pump out a bunch of garbage, and uh, garbage into AI is garbage out. So you have to go in with the right purpose and the right goal of of the content you want to produce. But then you know now we get into prompt engineering. Making sure, and this would come out in your standing operating procedures, Uh, would come come out also in brand guides, but training your AI to write the way you want, the way your brand sounds, uh, to develop an outline really quickly. Um, So AI can help you scale really quickly. Now, if you don't personalize that content, um, because that's one of the drawbacks with AI is that... um, It sounds like AI and you can differentiate that content by putting in personal examples, uh, statistics that are not fake and generated by the AI sources, infographs and whatnot. Um, But just having those standard operating procedures, if it's for SEO, you got to have a topic keyword process of let's find out all the industries or the topics we want to go after. What are the most economically valuable topics and terms within that that have the right intent in other words are these queries just informational are they transactional where are they in the sales funnel um so again and then measuring uh measuring your success with that using things like google analytics ga4 google search console and whatnot the other thing too that i don't i think people really get focused on with scaling content is it's always new content. They're always thinking about new content, but you don't have to do just new content. I've got blogs on my site that are, they go back to 2009 and I, and I update those consistently. I've had one post that's ranked on the first page of Google for over 10 years. And so a lot of these pages, I just go back and I update the content to keep it relevant. So, you know, having those processes is good uh, for new content. And then for old content, that's an easy win if you go back and update
0: it and make it current. I, th- I think the so updating content, that's an interesting you know, point. Because you know we've done the same kind of thing. You know I've got posts that go back yeah like 2011 or something like that, and yeah. you know, some are not as relevant. Of course, they would need some significant updates to how the landscape has changed, depending on what it was written about. But some, you know, because you might have had something, and this is kind of goes to or to you know going through your content, seeing what has been ranking. Because if you look at the traffic, that's going to tell you which ones we're hitting. You may not even know the exact keyword you were hitting on you know, until you like hunt it down, um, but you can see the traffic, you can see where it's coming from. And then if you see over time, if you look at the trend and you can see the con- the number of, you know, visitors and stuff to that piece falling. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's going to be your key, you know, your ranking is falling. Okay. So if Absolutely. you bring that content up to date, maybe you lengthen it, you, you know, optimize it a little bit better and stuff, you might be able to jump the ranking back up. And drive traffic because some of content production is not it's not necessarily a volume game. It is a total volume, but not necessarily how much I'm putting out in in the present day. If I'm going back, you know, because you could have, you know, you could be going at it for the last 10 years, five years or whatever and have 200 pieces on there. Yeah. know, Or more. And you go through and you say, okay, and look at your historical traffic to them and see which ones. Have fallen. They're not. They're no longer generating the traffic. But you might be find that you're on the just on the bottom of page one. You know, you need to give it a boost. So it needs yeah. some rework and stuff.
1: Yeah. Or just even to to your point about the old content, um, just go through and find all the all the pages that are on page two, and mm-hmm. go optimize those to get them up on page one.
0: Yeah, because you've already got a strong initial position. Yeah, that's right. And that's the idea. And Google, you know, like say it wants relevant content. It does not care. And here's the thing about this too. So, in the case of chat, okay, you can take that original content, put it in, and use it as a way to lengthen it. So you're keeping the tone because yeah. the original content wasn't written necessarily by chat. This is something you know, or any AI, because you did it, you know, maybe three years ago or something. So use it as because it can pick up on what you're already writing, you know what you've written, yeah. and then it can extend it. Google always likes more long form content for search results anyway, and that's where blogs and things like that come in anyway because it makes more sense, you know, yeah. versus some sort of website service page. So lengthen yeah. it out. Yes,
1: yeah, that's a very good point. Um, cont- the content length is is an interesting topic. Um, definitely, if it's too short, it's not going to do well, obviously, because the more content you have, the more opportunities you have to rank. But a, a, an interesting case study on my site was I went after a term or a topic on my site, and I'm like, I'm going to write just the most thorough, complete piece I can on this. It's going to be kick butt. And I drafted it up. It was 4,500 words. I publish okay. it yeah i publish it it took a long time to write i published yeah, no it and, <laughs> and it was dead in the water and just it, page nine or ten seven never did any better and i'm like man what's wrong with this content it's got everything somebody would need and i yeah. wrote it all this is before to chat it was a f- couple of years ago um and you know what's interesting? I went back and I thought about who is the reader for this? And in this case, it was restaurant owners and managers who don't have time to read 4,500 words. Yeah. I went back and scaled this thing to a third of the length, mm. and now I rank on page one. Um, <laughs> so you, you still got to keep that avatar, that cus- that ideal customer in your mind
0: for the yeah, content you do. length. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it really does. And, and I say, look at, so look at the traffic, look at the history of it, go back and get a larger timeline to see yeah. if it's a piece, you know, because in some cases, you know, right out the gate, you were dead in the water, you know, I say, because part of scaling content, you know, when you're actually looking at, you know, if you're going to create a piece of content, you should be looking at what you can rank for, you know, with mm. the idea that, you know, cause there's a lot of things you can write about that will get absolutely no traffic. You've got things that you right. can write about that are going to be irrelevant, even if you did rank. Yeah. But so you want to be looking at, you know, is there things that, you know, you can go after and stuff. But then part of it, it's a, kind of unfortunate, but there's a little bit of a shotgun approach to it. If you're going to scale and you're going to do more content, some of it, the idea is to see what hits on because you're not going to hit on every piece. That's you know, right. right? And, That's right. So by doing more of it, you're going to give yourself more opportunity. So if you're writing one piece in a month, the likelihood of you hitting, you know, your yeah, content isn't about a bunch of, you know, getting a few home runs. It's honestly singles and doubles all day, you know, to, yeah. so you can keep scoring, you know, and drive up that's the overall right. score is what that's, you're doing. Yeah, that's right. Because there's
1: some niches where if you go after the, the head term, some of those terms, I mean, that you're talking about. Uber authoritative sites. Like mm-hmm. you need to drill down on that and go for the long tail that's the single or the double, like you said. Yeah. Where you know you can be successful. Um, because you know, if you go up against um, you know, big dominant site, you're gonna have trouble. So
0: Yeah. What <laughs> I always I was gonna say, what I always tell people when cause you're talking dominant sites and stuff, I said, look. The first thing is, is do, does it get any traffic? And no, you don't need something that gets ten thousand visitors a month because everybody else knows of the ones that get ten thousand visitors. You know, I say you're looking right. for singles and doubles, so it might be it gets a yeah. hundred. You know, but if you had five of them getting a hundred, and you could rank number one for all five, or you know, you know, you're going to yeah. get a good portion of that traffic. And then you need to look at the other side of it, and what are you going against? You know, are they That's really right. really authoritative?